This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. Alongside me, as always, is he still happy to have Rugby League back? It's Mitch Doyle. <laughs> Am I ever happy? <laughs> no. No, and- and his team showed about as much fight as the cardboard cutouts in the stands. It's Dale Roots. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. My team is poop at football. All, all our teams are poop. I actually looked at this before we started. Our teams lost by a combined score of 80 to 18 this week. So, going good. <laughs> and in, in the last calendar year, we have four of, three of the four worst defenses in the NRL. Fun. To be fair, South played more games than all the other teams on that list. I saw that. So. The only one worse than us is the Titans, which is, you know, that's, that doesn't really count as a rugby league team at this point. Yeah, well, it's I mean, so, some they, kind of weird social experiment. Obviously, lockdown aside, aren't they a week away from not winning for a year? For, for a calendar yes. year? Jesus. Yes, that's are, amazing. Like my team, the Broncos, that's their last win. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, obviously, even though our teams all did absolutely terribly... Um, we're just really glad that Rugby League is back and I thoroughly enjoyed having it back. And geez, fellas, wasn't it just refreshing just to see the game flow and to open up the little man? I, I mean, hopefully none of the little men got physically opened up, but um, <laughs> look, it was it was just good. Th- I think you're right. The best thing was just having something back. And we spoke about this last week, is having something back to talk about that's not just dumb off-field shit. I mean, we've got plenty of dumb off-field shit to talk about, but we'll probably come on to that later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it was kind of nice to have the routine back. I was talking to someone about this earlier and it's nice to just have that, oh, it's Thursday night, you know, when I get home, I'll put on dinner, I'll have a beer, I'll get to the end of making dinner, I'll sit down and I'll watch the footy. It's just nice to have that end of the week kind of routine back, whether it's footy or, um, you know, something else. But man, I'm, I'm just, I'm so glad to have sport back, like local sport back. It's so, it, it feels right. You know, it's that time of year. It's getting dark early. It's nice to have it back. Yeah, I think you've, you've summed that up nicely there. I mean, there's not much else. I don't know if we can really expand on our view that we like rugby league, but... Uh, do I we, mean, bro? I would hope we do. Otherwise, this podcast would be... <laughs> out, well, in, yeah, in fairness, you make a good point. <laughs> do we? Do we? Uh, but um, it's, as you said, we let, let go of the terrible off-field takes and we came back to terrible on-field takes. Apparently, the, everything in the game ever has changed in the last few weeks. It's the new game. It's completely different. We're gonna, we'll address this more in a couple of weeks. But, oh, man, I'm already done with that, too. <laughs> I, I, believe I, it's, I believe it's Rugby League 2.0. I yeah. can see somewhere. Would you, like, there was no, like, it didn't matter what, happened this week right the the same narrative would have been trotted out by the same people regardless of how fast or slow the game had been right yeah like they had yeah, the sure they had these opinions made up before a ball was kicked yeah i mean it would it would make sense to not necessarily to have the pieces written but like to have the pieces written with little gaps in them oh that sure you could just, but that you I'm, could just put in like, yeah i'm not talking about like writing a match report with 20 minutes to go i'm talking about like this idea that the game was completely different and it was all because of these two rule changes that were made. Um, yeah. like that was that felt to me like that was going to be said no matter what because I watched some of these games and they, they were fine, but I didn't think they were particularly faster than what we saw in the in the first couple of weeks of this season. And I know that penalties were down by 40, but there was like 50-something six-again infringements. So, I mean, it, if anything, like it, 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 it more than evened out. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. 
Anyway, without further ado, uh, let's get into some news. But before we do that, I just want to thank uh, our top tier Patreon subscribers. Uh, we love all of our Patreon subscribers. And if you want to help us out, uh, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. But a quick mention to those people at those top tiers who are supporting us. We love you all dearly. Bert Andrews, Dan Cullinane, Dave Mesut Ozil, D Fisher, Jace G, Jack Snape, Jason, Carlo Tyson, Maddie McPee, Michael Murray, Roxanne Clark, Scott Finlayson, Simo Alley, Ty, Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, Warwick Ahern, and Wayne Ritchie. Those are uh, our top two tiers of Patreon subscribers. And to all of you and to everyone below you guys, we love you all dearly. And thank you again for supporting us. Sincerely, we are just so grateful that you give us a couple of your hard-earned dollars every month to just listen to us talk absolute nonsense. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi run run Oh, he's absolutely buried it. <laughs> so we've got to start with the biggest story of the week. My dog oh, God, is the is... official dog of the National oh. Rugby League. <laughs> boys, oh. boys. I mean... I know that we joked on the podcast last week and I said that I was going to try and get Link in the crowd. Could this have gone any better? I did not expect it to go this well times 10. I did not expect it to go at at all like this. The only thing, this could not have gone better. The only, well, I mean, potentially Link could have been wearing some Boom Rookies merch, but, you know, we don't want to push (laughs) it mainly because that would involve getting Boom Rookies merch to Link. But, mm. man, the, pe- the people ate it up. They loved it. That's how, yeah. How's he dealing with the fame? That's a real question. Um, fame has not burdened him. He's, he's back to his normal self, barking at trees, whatnot, going for walks, living his best life, begging for scraps. Um, uh, for any new listeners who, who might just be hearing us for the first time, first of all, welcome. But second of all, um, I paid $20 to have my dog as a cardboard cutout in the crowd last weekend, and he basically became the centerpiece of every single story and every piece of coverage that was done about the fake fans in the crowd last week, which if, uh, which you know is just fantastic for both the podcast and for myself. Because if you saw the photos, you would see that he is a very, very good boy indeed. And it just, yeah, I was, I was watching on KO, and obviously KO is a little bit behind Foxtel boxes and whatnot. So I'm sitting there, and suddenly my phone just starts buzzing, and I get like 10 messages at once. And I'm like... What are all these? Why are all these people just messaging me? Link, and then twenty seconds later, it all made sense. Um, but yeah, really, really funny stuff, and and it's it's rare that you have a win like this, and it's just basically universally positive reception. But that's basically what we got saved, like literally one one idiot. So um, yeah, pretty stoked with how that worked out, and I'm hoping that I can get that cardboard cutout sent to me at the end of the season. Was it, just to clarify, was that one idiot, Maddie Johns? Uh, it wasn't, but um, yeah, they they are uh, definitely misfired with that little uh, little Hitler joke that they pulled out on Sunday night. Uh, and which, Hitler jokes, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not good. Unfortunate because that joke took place like fifteen seconds after Brian Fletcher called Link a gorgeous boy. So, oh, yeah. And as we know, Hitler is historically a rugby union thing. Fox Sports, yeah. so you stick Hitler with rugby union, okay? I mean, <laughs> not in the I in defense of Fox Sports, like they don't have a rugby union department to check with anymore because they sacked everybody. 
So like that, that's, that's uh, they could have gone and checked with Nick McArdle or uh, you know uh, Drew Mitchell uh, or whoever's working there. Hey, um, do you guys recognize this bloke? Oh yeah, <laughs> he, comes, <laughs> he comes down to rats training. I'll stop it, <laughs> mate. Rugby union in the North Shore. What? What? How, how much further do we need to get into uh, the Nazi gear? Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Um, so we do have some actual news to get into, uh, and we'll start off with which is probably actually the biggest story of the week, and that is that um, from uh, 2022, the NRL will block Telstra from uh, streaming games on their platform. Um, Mitch, a lot of people might not realize why this is a big deal and sort of how many people this affects, so would you like to maybe expand on that a little bit? Yeah, like obviously we haven't got all of the news yet of what the implications of this are. Like all we know is that Telstra have been blocked from having stream rights from 2022 onwards. Uh, tw- they also are, as you know, the naming rights partner. It's the NRL Telstra Premiership, and it has been that for more than 20 years. But if people some- don't seem to realise that the, you know, the NRL app is the Telstra app. Telstra run that app. They have the rights to that app. They did the streaming service on there. And if you, if you take away Telstra streaming rights, you're taking away the NRL app streaming rights, essentially. So it seems like... It's going back to the broadcasters and Foxtel own the rights, and that's what they've said. And but it just seems there'll be no NRL streaming pass. Like it is be, you can watch it on Channel Nine or on uh, on Fox's services. But you know, it's going to be you know twenty twenty seven or something, and the rugby league will be one of the very few major sports without its own streaming service. It's just weird. I don't understand the decision, and I know they're trying to service the broadcasters again, but at what point do we stop trying to sell, service Telstra as a major partner of, of the game? I mean, Telstra, again, with Foxtel, Telstra are a 35% owner of Foxtel. Aren't they supposed to try to sell, sell, sorry, serve Telstra as well? What's going on here? Yeah, that's that's a really fair point. Um, it does seem like an odd move, particularly in a world where everything is basically pivoting further and further towards um, digital platforms to basically just sort of go in the complete opposite direction. And whilst people will still be able to um, use KO to stream their games. Um, I was shocked at just how many people use the Telstra Life Pass. I thought it was. I I, I didn't realize that it was. It was quite widespreadly used and, and quite quite often used by you know hundreds of thousands of people to watch games. So that definitely took me by surprise, and it sort of seems like a strange move. Yeah, I mean, I can't share the numbers with you guys. I mentioned the Bunga before this podcast, but I knew I knew some of the numbers just through work. But there is hundreds of thousands of people that do watch the games on Telstra. And it's we all know how broadcast ratings work, and they're not perfect. But a streaming rating from Telstra, they know how many people are hitting their server. Like that's the number. You know, the number is the number. How many people watch that game? And even other things, we all know. We're all on this podcast under the age of thirty-five. We all fall into that stupid, you know, millennial demographic. Our demographic watch TV less than people ever have. You know, and and the numbers prove that again. You know, Roy Morgan will tell you that with NRL television viewers, people under our age and under, they've dropped. Even on the rating system, they've dropped by ten to fifteen percent. They've dropped. It's, so we're the people who watch it on our devices. I know you'd say KO or on channel or channel nine or similar, but Telstra have a big community of users who get that streaming app for free. That's eyes on rugby league who probably wouldn't be on it in other instances very often. You know, I, some people don't want to pay twenty five bucks for KO. And want to watch Saturday Night Rugby League. It's like, well, I'm paying for Telstra. I'll watch the free thing I can watch on my t- iPad or on my phone. Yeah, and that just seems to be gone. And uh, like, 
I, for myself, mate, there's very often I'll be out of the house. Yeah, I was, I'm I was about to say the, the time I use it is when I'm out and I can watch it yeah. data-free on that app rather than using KO. That's it. And it's so it's, and it loads faster for me than KO. Like in KO, you've got to go find the game and launch it, whatever. If I want to check the score for two minutes to see what's happening in a game, bang, Telstra app. And then there's also the other implications is there's a cost involved in running, in running that app. And is that cost coming back in-house to the NRL? Because that cost currently sits with Telstra. And when people like to act like they've somehow understood the NRL's checks and balances the last few months with how everyone spewed rubbish about it, it's like, well, does anyone understand that checks and balance? I guess, I guess not so far, but I just feel like it's a bit of a backwards move to appease Channel 9 again. And I don't think it's going to make Channel 9 pay extra for their broadcast deal. You know, and they'll be, oh, great, you guys aren't streaming for Telstra, we'll give you an extra $100 million. I, I, I highly doubt that will happen. Yeah, and the point that you make about, like, the cost coming in-house, from what I remember, uh, Telstra have a, obviously they have the naming rights sponsor, uh, sponsorship, but if they're, from what from what I remember reading, the, the naming rights sponsorship is worth roughly $17 million a year, I think, but you would assume that Telstra taking on the, uh, taking on the cost and the, the, well, not just kind of cost monetarily, but also cost effort-wise to employ people who make this app work. They're taking that on board. That's not within the $17 million, you would assume. So for them to take away this uh, potential for Telstra to strain the league going forward, um, they're shooting themselves in the foot and then cutting off their nose to spite their face. So I would assume that if Telstra are unable to stream this they will look twice at being the naming rights sponsor and therefore the league would the name the league would be out of a naming rights sponsor a digital sponsor a digital partner and a streaming provider so to appease broadcasters they've been appeasing for ages exactly and and the point that we made a few weeks ago about like the nrl potentially taking production of the league in-house or digital production of the league in-house it doesn't as you say it doesn't make sense to then take away the the way that you would be able to disperse and broadcast that league by as i said by cutting off the digital provider and digital partner that you've had for donkey's years just because terrestrial tv and and um pay tv are wanting a bigger cut of the pie like it, do, it, do, it doesn't make sense in any stretch of the imagination it doesn't i can't comprehend the thought process the short-sightedness of the thought process to say this is what we're going to do going forward we want to grow the game, but we're only going to do that on a platform that is historically dying. That's and and this isn't me trying to disparage what Bungard does for work, but like no. it would be like saying we're only going to do match reports in the paper. We're not going to have a website. I was literally about to make that comparison, so yeah. I don't take offense at we're all. We're getting we're like getting rid of NRL.com and we're going to have a magazine. Pivoting away from online to go back to print. I mean. Yeah, it'd be like when they first showed, showed games on TV for 10 years and just went back to paper. I'm sorry, back yeah. to radio. Like, you know what, guys? We're turning them off the TV. Radio's back. Yeah. Well, maybe all these guys who thought the game was better 30 years ago will be happy when they can only watch one game a week and it's shown on an hour and a half delay. <laughs> <of life. laughs> yeah, exactly. And, it's, it's, it seems... I mean, obviously, the, the fine print will come out and all that kind of stuff and it'll get... You know, there'll be puff pieces and it'll get buffed and polished and we'll all look at this and go, oh, you know, maybe that works. But the, those of us who, and I'm not trying to toot our own horns here, but those of us who look a little bit deeper into the detail, and that's not necessarily just us, that's various people online and people who have bigger brains than me, we'll look through that polish 
and just see the hollow husk for what this deal really is. And that's, you know, somewhat of a farce. And, and God help us if the league goes backwards because there are going to be a lot of unhappy people in the league. That's what uh, I reckon. How will and, this and, affect you know, overseas viewers? I don't know. The overseas viewers currently have to pay through Watch NRL anyway that, that Fox own and stream, Fox Sports do. But it's what I was going to say there, though. They did paint this like as a negotiation piece for Channel 9. But people, say someone who can't afford Foxtel or afford KO, but they would Telstra, they'd probably watch the three nine games on Channel 9. And then this would be when they're watching games on the streaming services on Telstra for free, probably what it's, it's definitely feels like trying to hang on, you know, because Foxtel are on those last legs too, not just channel nine. Foxtel is just hanging on. It definitely feels like it's part to appease that as well. Even though it's been painless, they're trying to help channel nine out. It's like, I don't understand if someone could have nine for free while they'd bother having using Telstra if they watch it on their TV. But if you couldn't afford KO 25 bucks a month or similar, you probably watch the games. If you're a Telstra subscriber this way. And yeah, you just, it's not. It's making games less accessible to more fans. Just that's just it. In the end, that's what it's doing. It's making the game less accessible to more fans. That's not a good decision for mine. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Um, and the other sort of uh, main story of the week, I guess, is um, the reports that an NRL player draft for both rookies and existing NRL players has the backing of Peter Volandis, and they will review the current player movement system. So a brief overview on this. So basically, under the proposal, off-contract players with two or more seasons of NRL experience would only be able to move clubs via a draft. There would be an opportunity for players in the reserve grade competitions to nominate for the draft. Uh, Players with under two seasons of NRL experience would only be able to enter the draft with the permission of their club and contracted players who were seeking a release would also go into the draft. The order would be determined by where teams finished on the ladder the previous season. So... Uh, and there would also be a trade window before draft day to negotiate things like contract lengths and values. Um, how do we feel about this? So, the the it's kind of it's half baked. Like they, they want to. They, I don't understand why we do a free agency draft. If you understand, if you get me, like I I do like it, and it's hidden in here. They're obviously trying to make players stay locked into their contract value. So you know, if you're upset with two years left on your deal. Okay, if you're upset at being at the Raiders on 600k, well, you can you can leave the Raiders, but you can only go to other clubs on 600k. I like that part, locking in their value. That's the part I like. I pretty much hate the rest of it. It's you know, it, a draft is is based out of when you get you know a junior, you know, every other sport. It's that gap between juniors or college and full time professional, and they're not gonna it's not gonna get that far. But it's honestly probably because the the NRL doesn't want to fund all the juniors, if you get me. Clubs have a lot of junior investment, even though money comes from the NRL, but they don't want to have to run all that. But it just seems weird that you you want to be a free agent, you just you enter a draft where you have no choice. Like why should I don't understand if say if you serve the club for five or six years, you got you can't choose where you want to go from there. You've given that someone four or five years, you know what you get you have to go and play for the Titans because you got drafted there. Like it's almost a punishment of being good. It's like your first contract, if you sign with a good team you just stuck with that team for the rest of your career because if you hit, hit the draft and you're too good, well, you're going to a shit side. Or, or you don't go to a team at all because yeah. I would assume that it, it's not like um, leagues where, well, specifically American leagues, but like it's not like the NHL or the NBA, for example, where if you're 
if you're a, if you're a free agent and you don't get drafted, uh, sorry, you don't get signed, then I assume there's some kind of re-entry draft. But like you have the opportunity if you're an NBA player, for example, to go play in the Euro League or to go come play in the NBL or to go play in Canada or anything like that. Like yeah. here, your options are effectively you can play New South Wales or Queensland Cup or you can go and play in the Super League. And and like those are two fair enough options, but like. You're not going to see somebody, you know, of of the quality of, you know, a middling halfback. Let's let's take, say, you know, let's take uh, let's take Aiden Caesar for example. Now Caesar obviously came like he he left the Raiders and he's at Huddersfield from memory. Um, but like he's not going to go and play in. But like, if he didn't get an offer from from Huddersfield, he's not just going to go. Well, I'm going to take. 70% pay cut to go and play when I could be, you know, st- when I could be negotiating with another NRL club just because the draft exists. Like, there th- seems to be that, again, there seems to be that disconnect between the rights of a player to be properly compensated and kind of be, as you said, like rewarded for not loyalty, but for hard work. Like, if these people put in several years at a single club, then they should be treated treated properly or treated with the respect that they've earned but um you don't as i said you don't have that option to go and be like i'm going to go play in croatia or i'm going to go play in france or i'm going to go and blah 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 like it seems a kind of it seems kind of half cocked i don't mind the idea of like players taking the option to be released or players sorry coming to the end of their contract and becoming registered free agents where they haven't been able to find a like a negotiator, uh, a contract with a club or younger players coming through, but there, there would need to be a significant amount of talk with both the RLPA and um, clubs to kind of make that work. Because it, as I said, it's just, I fear that it would result in players, young players not being properly looked after and not necessarily being exploited, but not being looked after and middling players just kind of falling out of the league. Like, yeah. like, and we've, we've spoken about it before, but like with Penrith where you kind of, always looking three to five years in front. You're kind of always trying to sign the next hot thing. And then two years down the track when that doesn't work, they just go out the back door and they're picking tomatoes in orange or whatever six weeks after the NRL season finishes just because they can't get a contract. It does, As I said, it does feel somewhat kind of half pregnant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How, how does this stop the thing when you can still sign an 18-year-old or 16-year-old on way big bickies? It doesn't stop that massive problem they're currently having. If you because once you get him in your club, right, you you pretty much control the player's career. Once you sign someone as a junior now, with this with this structure. Yeah. So I have three main issues with this. Um, the first of one you've just touched on there, which is a problem that Major League Baseball have, which doesn't really affect the other major sports in America. But is it that no one cares about it, mate? First of all, <laughs> had they, but second, <laughs> god damn it, um, but um. Uh, second of all, um, the, the, it's that um, they have a rule right with um, um, service time, what they call service time. So basically, until you play, uh, I think it's six full seasons uh, with a with a club. Basically, you can't leave unless they release you or they trade you. So you can't um, you can't be you can't sort of you can't be a free agent until you play six seasons in the in major in the major league. So what happens is. Um, I think it's six. It might be five, but um, it doesn't really detract from my point. So, but what happens is, you get um guys being held back 
in like sort of the AAA, which is basically the reserve grade of Major League Baseball, you get guys being held back deliberately for like the first few weeks of a season to give that team an extra year of eligibility with that player. And you would get the exact same problem happen here. I, I fully expect that you would see these guys to, to ensure that they didn't get that full two years. You'd see guys who had earned a place in first grade being pulled out of teams for various games to try and sort of stretch out that um, two years a bit longer. Like, I mean, if you were a, if you were a pretty shitty team and you were going nowhere one season with 12 weeks left, you'd just, you'd just sit one of your young, talented players if it meant that they were going to get close to the service time. That's, that, that, is, that is the first problem. The second problem is, like, I mean, at what point do you have to... We've already got a lot of things that enforce parity in this league. At what point do you just... At a certain point, you just have to reward good teams for being well-run. I'm sorry, but like the good teams, the well-run teams should not be punished for and and have their players taken away after two years is a very minimal amount of time, by the way. The good teams should not be punished so severely by being well-run, by having their players taken away from them at the expense of teams that have sort of screwed their cup well, I don't up. Think, up. Sorry, go on. I don't think they're getting taken away. I think it's if they're off contract. So you can still re-sign them. That's the, the thing I don't oh, like. You're pretty much okay. forcing a guy to stay. So you can stay at a club forever. But right. it's like you pretty much unless you, so like also I said earlier say say for example you just mentioned the good teams okay say I'm at the Roosters say I'm uh, uh, who's a good young player there's many of them there say I'm Joseph Marnie right yeah and I want to get paid next year my options are stay at the Roosters or enter a draft yeah but you see the Titans have the first draft pick you're like well f this <laughs> like I ain't going to the Titans yeah. that's my problem with it the lack of absolute lack of choice for the player yeah. And I mean, and I'm not sure like this is, and there's also been chat of um, introducing a rookie draft and that's what really falls apart for me. That, and that is, that is my biggest problem with this idea. Like this, this, this off contract for veteran player draft is, is a bad idea in my opinion, but it is not like a catastrophically bad idea. Whereas I think having a rookie draft in rugby league just doesn't make any sense to me because it's not like the NFL. It's not like these sports where they have an ingrained college system and the teams that are professional are completely removed from every level below them. Obviously, that's that's just not how it works here. Like the, the Parramatta Eels are ingrained with every junior club in that area. The Canterbury Banks and Bulldogs are ingrained with every club in that area. And suddenly, if you have a rookie draft, what's, what's Parramatta's incentive to continue to invest more money than everybody else in youth pool on Penrith's incentive and those teams who do put so much into their youth. What's their incentive to keep doing that? Well, there, there is no incentive. Uh, like I could, the only way that I could see it working, but I mean, obviously there's slightly, there's, there's a number of things that would kind of need to fall into place would be, for example, players who are outside of Sydney or outside of these catchments nominating to go to a combine and then get picked up by a team. Like, so, for example, if you have a player, let's say, who who's playing for the Northern, like the Bidgey Bulls, for example, so out West. If you have a player who's in their 18s rep team who's playing in CRL and they've not been picked up and signed by Canberra or St. George or whoever, then they can come to a combine and be assessed by potential player scouts who they, who, who may have missed them. And then potentially going to a draft where every team gets two picks from the country. But like again, that's they're only there because they haven't been spotted previously. And like these clubs have relationships with country rugby league teams and 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 regional rugby league teams 
through whether it's through reps or through scouts or whatever like that we we all know that those scouts are at like country carnivals and stuff like that or country tournaments and stuff like that but as you say what's what's then the incentive of those clubs to then pay those scouts to go out and look at these young kids when they can just basically have some kind of well not really a lottery but you know at a luck of the draw a, a draw out of a hat to get potentially the best kid from the country or wherever and not have any effort to 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 scout them earlier whether it's in youth development through the actual club or whether it's through development picking talent and then taking that raw talent and merging it with the club like the culture and the and the perform, high performance at the club they they would have there's, as you say, there's no incentive for the clubs to then go and do that to invest the time and the resources and the manpower to 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 grow their base from the bottom up. They basically, it would just be, you would be, in a way, you would be inverting the pyramid. Apologies to Jonathan Wilson. You would be inverting the pyramid of the way that rugby league is developed. From now, it's that you've got a large base at the bottom, and obviously, you pick the best players and they keep going up the chain, but. If you were to to get rid of that that linkage between junior clubs, their local area, and potentially country rugby league, then you would be basically saying that the the pinnacle of rugby league is all that matters, and we'll only pick and choose what we want from these clubs, without forming that relationship and forming that bond between the club itself and the local area or those regions that they've been picking the picking the you know the, the you know developing the game through. Yeah. As a Broncos fan, though, I should be for this proposal, right? Because, again, it's not for redistribution of talent when it gets to your club. So this would help us not lose players. But that's that's not for the greater good of the game. It's just, for me, it's not. And I do believe in we should find a way to make players, if they sign a contract, that's the contract value. If you leave clubs, that's the contract value. You know, you can't do what Ryan Madison did last year. I'm, I'm totally against that. I'm pro signing contract value to the league and then being assigned to a player. I like that. But drafts, as you guys mentioned... There's no college system here. For, so guys coming straight out of college, you know, in air quotes, won't work for the NRL anytime soon. So I don't see why there's a free agent draft. I don't see what it would achieve outside of locking players in the contract values. Like it doesn't like, again, players would have to opt into the draft essentially to go there. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. make sense. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we've broken this down about as much as we can, given that we don't really know that much about uh, what would happen, and, and as you said, it is very much a sort of a half-cooked idea at this point. So, might be worth revisiting further down the line if they do want to progress further with it. But um, I just can't see the majority of NRL clubs being in favour of this idea. Mm, all the players agreeing, which yeah, is you know agreed. they need the RPA sign off. Yeah. And oh, well, one thing I forgot to say that also completely ignores like what do we do if it was going to go to full draft? What happens to John Bateman's? What happens to those guys? You can still sign them, and after they've been in the NRL for two years, then they go into a draft. So you can still like sign anyone from the rest of the world freely at mm. twenty-seven or something, and then they're draft eligible. It doesn't. I, it just. A, it's a very weird system. I mean, that would be, and the thing that Bungard was saying about like the about baseball, about having that service time, is the same kind of thing with like Korean and Japanese baseball, where they can only come over over a, after a certain age. Yeah. So like you're telling me that you're only going to have players who are over twenty-seven, for example, eligible to come from the Super League. And then they go into this draft. Like it just, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's it. It would just completely change the way that rugby league is developed for the last hundred years. There's no sent. There's no. There's no up and down about it. But Phil Gould liked it. Oh, well. he considered that. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Let's move on to the next news item. Um, yeah, uh, the, the next news item we have is um, the uh, uh, Brisbane Firehawks, Mitchell. <laughs> God, when you just like I've heard it already today. When you just said it like that, I mean. It's another Queensland beard. We can't be calling an NRL team the Firehawks. Like, I don't need alliteration, but the Firehawks. Ow. Mm. Mm. There's a lot to there's a lot to take in here. I, I said this off mic, but I like the 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 Firehawk is a unique. It's a unique thing to Australia. I mean, Australia is the only Australia is one of the only parts of the world where birds are observed, like controlling wildfires, but also like. Brisbane fire like it doesn't happen in Brisbane it's it's it doesn't make sense like if you were to have called the new the North Queensland team the Firehawks back in 95 and then been like oh well North Queensland is where it happens kind of makes sense it would make as much sense as calling them the Cowboys like yeah but like the the fire the Firehawks it's 2020 like it just no for the Brisbane bushfires for Christ's sake like oh, <laughs> you God. can't call it that but- yeah, and also this alliteration, as people have said, people are saying we needed alliteration. There's only two teams with alliteration in the comp. It can mm. be called anything. Firehawks, not great. No, it's it's not in my top five names. Although the Western Australia Firehawks sounds a little better. Mm. Well, it does actually. Could we, could we have like the Logan Lions? Could we have, you know, you want to base it in Western Brisbane? I don't know, I'm trying. I'm doing my best here. Ipswich Icicles. The Ipswich Isotopes. Oh, fuck. Why did I not say that? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. So, sign it off. But, uh, yeah, I, I just this beard is obviously happening. and The broadcasters want a second Brisbane team. It's, it should be just the Brisbane Channel 9s or something. Like, <laughs> that's what they're for. Like, and we all know Brisbane has been a strong broadcast market for a long time. But, yeah, again, this is the whole thing. It's like, God forbid we attempt a new market. Don't be ridiculous, mate. Don't don't be ridiculous thinking that potentially having a team in a fourth time zone would be a good thing. You're just yeah. You're just you're a you're a pipe dream man. You're a pie in the sky man. I've yeah. said this for too long. Don't don't think too big. That's why again the reason for rule changes saying they want to attract new fans is an absolute lie. Yeah. On field rule changes won't bring anyone new to watching the game. Those kind of things do. Like again, you on field rule changes that change all the time. I I've already struggled to explain the game to my my Russian. Beyonce, right in the past, mm. but now they want all these new things. I'm like, okay, okay. When they do this, the siren goes off. Okay, when that happens, there's another different thing happens, <laughs> and then okay, the game stopped though because the that guy, the guy could challenge the ref, and she's like, why could he challenge the ref? I said, okay, he's got one challenge, <laughs> and so just you explain all these dumb things, and then it's you know, twenty forties, forty twenties, like that's not what brings new fans. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining be... her doing the confused, just having a, her confused face with an enormous question mark, like like yeah. a cartoon character for like 80 minutes every Friday night. It's like, what is yeah. happening? Why do, what are these strange men doing on the television? Why are the rules different to the last time we watched this? <laughs> oh, man. I must say that was one thing that was really weird was being like, like watching the game and being like, oh, why have they had the ball for like twelve tackles? That like the game hasn't. Oh, all oh right, okay. The bell went off. Right, that makes complete. But the fabric sense. of the game, Dale. The oh, fabric of the game. God, give me a spell. I need a drink. <laughs> and we are going to run through some quick 
game recaps. Obviously, when we're back up and running in the studio, we won't. Um, things will be going back to what you saw at the start of the season. But given that we are all still recording remotely and doing this midweek, then yeah, we've got plenty of time to sort of break down the first round of rugby league that we've seen in two months or so. And we start off on last Thursday night with Brisbane Broncos 6, Parramatta Eels 34. I don't know what to say. I did Broncos Weekly last night and I've already yeah. like, lost all my emotion, but it's like, oh, that second half from Katoni Staggs and Mil Hopawati, pour boiling oil into my eyeballs. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yeah, it was, like, uh, it was like watching a train crash that just kept running over itself. It wasn't very fun. We completed five sets in that second half. And I know Parramatta ran away with his scoreline, but it was it was 12-6 at halftime. Broncos dropped two balls over the line. Like, they were genuinely in this game on that basis alone. Their score was close. They came out in the second half, and they couldn't hold on to the pill to save themselves. It was embarrassing. And I thought I didn't think Parramatta were that impressive. People, like, their line was really good. But they struggled to score for so long in, in this game for mine with all that field position. But, you know, it's inevitable at this at some point that if you have a lot of field position and territory and fatigue, yeah, fatigue, you're going to end up blowing the doors off. And they did. Yeah. Embarrassing effort from the Broncos. It reminded me, this is the this is still the Anthony Seabold Broncos. They're still the same team from last year. It, it was interesting to me, the fact that the, the Eels weren't like, they weren't kind of, pilloried for being so blunt in attack. Like, I thought that they were just absolutely abhorrent in their, in their attacking 20s. Like, there, mm-hmm. were, there were stages there where they were camped in the, in the Broncos' 20 for, like, you know, three or four minutes at a time, and they just couldn't get across the stripe. And, yes, the Broncos defended well, and, yes, they ran... What, how did, what, did, what did Harry, friend of, the, friend of the podcast, Harry, say? Short short balls, one off balls close to the line are a cheat meal, they're not the whole diet. <laughs> yeah. Like their their attacking options when they had several sets in a row were just like they were they were horrible. Like they were horror awful. Horrible and awful, in the words of Shaq. They just <laughs> like they couldn't break the line. And as I said, yes, the Broncos defended well, but to be really honest, they were just making like, they were just making tackles. And I know that's a really thing, silly thing to say, but, like, they were just making one-off, two-off tackles. They weren't being... There was nothing inspiring about a lot of that yeah. Parramatta attack. In the first 60 minutes, no. Then they opened up and, they, and it was, it was yeah. good. You know, they threw the doors off from there. But, um, yeah, Parramatta, you know, they, they didn't take away the pressure, I guess. Their foot was on the pedal the whole game. And they were intense. And they did, they did come more physical than Brisbane did. And that's kind of where they won the game. And then Broncos had some stupid errors. And... Tony Staggs, I mean, people love, again, claiming him as the next great centre in the game. He's great with the ball in hand. One of the best centres in the game with the ball in hand. He's one of those very likely characters when he gets the ball to make things happen. But he has way too many faults in his game to be considered a representative player at this point. And this game was full of them. At second half, he dropped the ball three times. He was at fault for two of the tries. He gave away two stupid penalties. You can't do that stuff and be one of the best centres in the game. You just can't have that in your game. And he does. His defense is worse than James Roberts's. Yeah. Um, uh, the first of two games on Friday night, North Queensland Cowboys 36, Gold Coast Titans 6. I saw very little of this game because um, KO broke during this game, so I missed most of it. Um, uh, I did, however, see uh, Kyle Felt's unfortunate efforts on Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brian Kelly, as uh, the great Nick Kenton said, Brian Kelly avoided him like he was a flu shot. <laughs> 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 
That was, I mean, in fairness, that was really the only highlight for the Titans in this game because they are not very good. It feels like more of the same. I don't like making early too many early calls, but I'm, I'm already off Justin Holbrook. And I know people can say it's good to see a coach drop poor-performing players, but he made 14 changes heading into this game and he's named seven more changes before next week. And that's without even who would bring in. You know, that's just the 17. I don't know who he brings in from outside the 17, but you just can't, you can't, you know, in any good conscience, come into a club for me and make that many changes in such a short period. You know, how do you, how do you know what works, mate? If you're going to keep changing everything, how do, you, how do you know? Like, you've got to give something a bit of a run. And he hasn't done that. And I, I feel I feel for the guys who put in at this club, but I mean, you know, it's at what point do you stop feeling sorry for the Titans? I, I mean, started, so. I mean, yeah, yeah, they like the the thing that we've always talked about with them is that the like that that's where rugby league dreams go to die, and mm. as harsh as harsh as that is, like that just continues to be the trend of the club. Like if yeah. if if the boss is going to go in there and dick around with the selection every week, then like what's the point of having any consistency at all? Like you just like you surely you in, in any business we've discussed this before but like in any business there has to be a level of consistency in any team of any sort there has to be a level of consistency you can't just go mm. in and try and remake the recipe every week and hope for success like at some point you've got to write the recipe down follow it to the letter and and know that you're going to come out with a good dish at the end of it and like Holbrook is at this point trying to bake some kind of cake with no ingredients no scale and he's just chucking it all in the oven and hoping that it comes out looking like a birthday cake and at this point, it's just looking like an absolute shit show. It is. I mean, they've got Mikey Fodawaka, who I think is one of the best young forwards in the game, and he doesn't really get the credit he deserves. And I do back the droppings of guys like Jared Wallace and Shannon Boyd heading into the next game. But, you know, guys like Jonas Pearson played just fine in this fixture, and they've got the chop. And it doesn't seem to have much rhyme or reason with it. And then Tyrone Peachy rem- remains. Nathan Peets, after taking Mitch Rain's spot, he's out for next week with Aaron Clark coming in. It's just a lot of change of with not a lot of re- you know, rhyme or reason, as I said. And over at the Cowboys' side there, I think they're going to have the greatest home advantage in the competition this year now. Or With the COVID rules, it's fly in, fly out. Teams are flying in that four-hour fly and out on the same day. Huge advantage for them. But Val Holmes looks like he might actually make the block plays from Paul Green work a little. His hands are really quick, and they worked in this game. So I'm interested to see how that keeps going. Tamalolo is Jason Tamalolo. He's a freak. But it was nice to see Reese Robson come off that bench and he played 55 minutes, and he scored two soft-looking tries, but it was good to see him have you know, have his eyes off and recognise opportunities and score those tries from dummy half. I thought he was really good, but I don't know how much you can take out of a win over this Titans side currently. I um, I actually now am pro-draft because I've decided the funniest thing ever would be it starts in 2022, Fodawaker opts out of his contract, becomes draft eligible, and then the Titans draft him. <laughs> I like it. Congratulations, you that. played yourself, Mo. Surely there's a rule that like the team that you left can't draft you. I don't know. They probably is what it, well, they haven't really thought all the rules out yet. So they clearly haven't thought any have, of the rules. The Titans out, have formed for signing people who don't want to be there, though. So if anyone was going to draft a player that just left them, it's them. <laughs> oh, they. Um, Sydney Roosters twenty-eight, South Sydney twelve. Uh, not great. Just just a tough scene for the lads. Take yeah, away, Bunga. Yeah, you come off the come off the back fence, mate. It's tough because I mean, it's just the team just falls apart without. And I love Adam Reynolds. Don't get me wrong, but he just he he needs he needs a not I don't know if dominance the right word, but he needs a creative six who can take control of the game when needed to really be at his best. Mm. No coincidence, he played his best footy 
when Luke Keery was there and playing really well, and then when Cody Walker was in fantastic form last year and was in, you know, almost won the Dally M. And it, it, it was not that surprising to see him take a bit of a backseat in this game with Troy Dargan. He tried hard, but didn't really offer much either. And obviously, he's still very young, and we'll wait and see what happens in his career. But yeah, it was always going to be a struggle without Cody Walker and James Roberts, especially, um, especially just, I, I just don't understand. I mean, I love Wayne, but I just don't understand some of the team choices at the moment. And I know that they're going to keep putting Latrell Mitchell at fullback because they can't, they don't want to go back on that experiment after just two games. And I get that. But like, I just, I want to see Cam Murray starting in the middle. Uh, just work the rest out later. Start Ethan Lowe on edge. Jaden Sewer's has not been, been turning, not been, mm. you know, anything great, but he wasn't a problem. pretty in good game. in this game. I thought he was fine, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just would have liked to have seen something a little bit different in terms of team selections. And then, uh, unfortunately, we've already seen the team for this upcoming game, and it's basically the same team, save one bench forward being swapped out for another one. So, I don't know if much will change, and I'm foreseeing a cricket score being put on the boys by Melbourne, unfortunately, because mm. it's in Melbourne, and Souths have never, ever, ever won in Melbourne. But... Yeah, I don't know. Is Braden Burns the slowest back in the comp? What happened? He was quick at one point. I don't actually think he was. Me and my grandfather were talking about this the other day, and he's adamant that Braden Burns was never quick, but that the injuries have made him even slower. So, yeah, I mean, that's the greatest chase out ever by Brett Morris. And obviously, it's made better. He somehow didn't dive when he tackled Braden Burns. And then obviously, he caught pace for Alex Johnson from a, you know almost a standing start hey, after that part from Braden Burns. I'm not going to have this. Like, you what? First of all, how dare you? Second of all, Morris is already at near full speed. Johnson has to turn back around with his right arm and reach back for a pass that's behind him. And also, he's jogging to keep pace with Burns because he can't run in front of him, Mitchell, or it would be a forward pass, yeah. wouldn't it? Counterpoint, Brett Morris is also near retirement age. <laughs> yeah, Brett, Brett Morris, Morris is 45, <laughs> in fairness. Brett Morris, mate, Brett Morris will be playing into his 50s, chasing guys down. It is what it is, but it, it was an absolutely outstanding effort by him. And I think Souths eventually did score off that off that passage like eight minutes later after a thousand repeat sets and dropouts, but mm -hmm. um, still a fantastic effort by him. And yeah, just dominant from the Roosters. I mean, <laughs> it was quite funny for the opening try, the ball, like the moment that ball hit Luke Keery's boot, I was watching the game with my wife and I just said, try straight away. I, I didn't need mm -hmm. to see the rest of the play to know that Daniel Tupo was going to come down with that ball and he's going to score a million of those tries as he's just dunking on people that can't tackle him in the air anymore. Um, we forgot yeah. about that rule change. That, yeah, that one happened. Did, that happened. Uh, and then the second <laughs> try was pretty great as well. But then, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Latrell Mitchell fan and I'm as big a proponent of this experiment as anyone. I know <laughs> um, a lot of people aren't, but I can forgive I can forgive things like dropping a ball. I know it's bad and it's lazy, but like whatever, like guys drop the ball sometimes, that's fine. I can't forgive that last try when he's not not in his position because he's going to start a stink halfway up the field and then Jake Friend scores the easiest try of his career. That's the kind of thing that worries me going forward with him. I, I watched that and I was I was confused as to what was happening. Like watching it watching Friend score that try and just being like, why does Souths only have twelve men on the pitch? Like Yeah. Where's is I watched I watched the Saints play later and there was a bit where like Dufty was defending in the line and I was kind of like oh well, that's you know that's fine sometimes they defend in the line when when they're you know defending on the goal line yeah and then they they pan the camera back and Latrell's just like fighting someone forty meters away from the ball and I'm like what mean. like fullback is one of those places it's one of those positions especially when you're defending like that where you've got to be on song. 
Like if you're a cent- if you're a center and you go and start a stink upfield, like at least somebody can cover you. But like the the fullback is meant to be the marshal behind the defensive line, and he just went yeah. and started fighting someone. And I know people are going to defend him and say, "Oh, he made a hundred meters and he had a try assist." I mean, the try assist was, I mean, a pretty straightforward short ball to Cam Murray, who did really well to score. And to put it in context, a hundred meters is 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 less than every other member of his own backline made. And it's 200 metres less than James Tedesco made, who was absolutely outstanding in this game. Yeah, it's good to see the rule changes bring little man James Tedesco back in because I was worried that his impact on the game just was too low. I was worried that this. like literally the best back in the whole world was not going to be the best back enough. It's That's quite it. funny. Like, I, I'm a, I think I'm a bigger Tom Tobojevic fan than most people. He's one of my favourite players. but the And he was really good in his game and we'll get there. But the... <laughs> The fact that Tedesco puts up 300, a try, a try assist, and two line breaks, and that is somehow a performance which has um, prompted people <laughs> to suggest that Tom Tavoyevich is outplaying him is just truly amazing. Mm. This is the standard this guy's held to at the moment. He's, a, he's just unbelievable. We're always annoying the best one, mate. It's been 20 years of never admitting Cairns is the best. James Tamalo isn't the best. Tedesco isn't the best either. But I'll touch on three things before we move on that you touched on, Bungard. Firstly... That Adam Reynolds thing, that's, it's so true for a lot of good players in this competition. And, you know, it's why I think it holds him back from being a great halfback. But it doesn't mean he's not a good player. But he does need that creative outlet, with you know, alongside him. And without him, he looked at sea at moments in this game and probably got outplayed by Troy Dargan, who wasn't anything special. Uh, the Cam Murray thing and the Troll thing, like this is the difference between guys like Wayne and Holbrook. And it's probably different in a fault here is that Wayne will want to give something a real go. But I think Ken Murray, that just has to happen, hey. Like, you were a better side when he's in the middle. Ethan Lowe on the edge. Bloody Bailey Siren on the edge. Somebody on the edge. Get Murray back in the middle because I think Cook suffers without him there as well. I agree 100%. And, just work and the it last out. Thing, oh, sorry, yeah, go just on. Work it out. Like, and the last thing is that Latrell Mitchell at fullback, I always thought, we said this preseason, I thought he'd end up in the centres eventually. I thought they'd put him at fullback to appease him and it wouldn't work. And after about 10 rounds, they'd move him back to the centres. And I'm, as people know, one of his biggest on-field detractors for a long time. But I could not have predicted it going this bad. There has been like zero blips of positivity at all. There's been a lot of selfish play. You can't be selfish at fullback and do what he did. Because if you're selfish at fullback and you go missing, the entire team suffers. It's not like a fight in the centers like, like Dale said. Like he has been embarrassing on the field there. And, he's, he, and the shape he's in is embarrassing. He's not committed to rugby league. Just, just 100% he's not committed to his career right now. And doesn't mean he's a better or worse person, but he's not committed 100% to the game, if you ask me. Um, yeah, this uh, obviously, it, it seems like he's got a lot going on, which mm. means, you yeah. know, if, if this if this takes time, and if he needs to take some time away from the game to get his head right or whatever, whatever if there is something going wrong, then I fully support that as well, because that's more important than, that, as we're seeing with James Roberts right now, that's more important than him playing rugby mm-hmm. league. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, but... You, the Cam Murray thing is incredibly like at, by anyone's metric, he is at worst the third best lock in the comp, right? And no one will put him below third, right? Yeah, most likely, yeah, yeah. So like you might have him second above Jake Turbo, might have him first above Jason Taumalolo if you are a Souths <laughs> fan and very biased. But at worst case, he's the third best lock. Work it out, Wayne. Put someone else on the edge. Just work it out. You can't have the third best lock being wasted and not and as you said, blunting the damage that your best attacking weapon, Damien Cook, can do, which is an unfortunate byproduct of what's happened mm. so far. Ah, too much time on South. Sorry, everyone. Um, next game. Right. Dale. We don't, have to, we don't have to talk about the next game. That's fine. Oh, we can sure? move on. No, we do. And this is not just because you're a Dragons fan, but because 
there's two reasons we have to talk about this game. One is so Mitch can toot his own horn, and the other one is so. <laughs> And the other one is so that we can praise just how brave this Warriors performance was. So brave. But yeah, as, as you said, toot my own horn. It's what I said, people. Galvanized yeah. the first week. I really did like one thing in this game. I really liked Toe Harris at lock. I really liked it. I didn't know what thing I would like. I didn't know he was going to play there. But if you asked me what I like him going to lock, I wouldn't have thought so. I thought he was sensational in the middle in this game. Like he dominated the whole fixture for mine. He had... 21 runs, 219 metres in the middle there. All danced all over the, uh, the the Dragons pack. 48 tackles as well, but I thought he was exceptional. But, you know, the Dragons, they look like a team playing for absolutely nothing. They look like they've already accepted their season's over. They don't care for the coach. And they're going to play musical chairs again this week and just shuffle the combinations and hope it works. But that's a team that looks like this year that they might be a genuine spoon contender. So um, how much of this is Ben Hunt's fault? Uh, can it can it somehow be more than a hundred percent? Because look, uh, yeah, it, it's not it not it's not Ben's it's not Ben Hunt's fault. It's sorry, it's not Ben Hunt's job to pick the team. It's not his job to motivate the team. It's his job to stand a first receiver and pass the ball to whoever's standing left or right of him, and to kick the ball occasionally and to make tackles. Like it, I know that obviously you're making a lot, having a laugh, but like I don't kind of understand how to, I don't understand how to fix a situation. And it's not very often that like that, that, that we're three weeks into a season. And I know that the Titans are somewhat of a laughing stock and they're not fantastic, but like the dragons deserve to be where they are at this point, because like the, the team is just, it's a shambles. As you said, Mitch, like they're going to be going into their 480th buddy combination in the last six weeks. We had the whole thing last year about three halves going into two and you know, which again, music they're, they're shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic and the the ship's still sinking. Like yeah. it's, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Fine combination change in twenty nine games. Yeah. And to be Sorry, to be to be clear to any new listeners, we're being a bit tongue in cheek with the Ben Hunt stuff, making a joke about the fact that he's basically blamed for everything that goes wrong with the dragons. We personally don't hold him hundred percent responsible for the the fate of St. George Illawarra. Um We might. Well, I mean, I do find it interesting, though, that like, and I don't want to attack people, but it is odd that Corey Norman just seems to have escaped criticism for his entire career. It's bizarre to me. I don't know. Yeah. And then you look at Ben Hunt, like he said, that these guys, Ben Hunt's 30, you know, with, with 200 first grade games under his belt. And Corey Norman's not much younger with almost as many games under his belt. And they've both played rep football. And there's somehow people still trying to get the most out of them. The most has been got out of them. This is what they are. Shuffling their jersey numbers is not some magical recipe to get this team to perform. And Ben Hunt, Ben Hunt is who he is. When you, people thought he was the best halfback in the comp, or the best signing in the comp three years ago, he's the exact same player now. He's been, you know, he, yes, he wasn't good on the weekend, but he played behind a beaten pack. And I hate the lazy analysis. And it happened in the Broncos game too. People ran off the Milford straight away. But it's like this uh, Dragons pack was embarrassing in this game. Like. And you go after the halfback like it's his fault. He tried his guts out. What's he supposed to do? A yeah. lot of the backs actually carried the ball a lot in this game. And then, yeah, this week again, we've uh, we've had shuffles again. And Ben Hunt's got a six on his back, probably playing the same spot on the field. And we're going to act like that's engaged his running game or something. He ran the ball 13 times last week. Their forward pack should not be getting the brake speed off them like that. Oh, well. Um, what's the best ever completion rate in a game? Because the Warriors were perfect for very, very, they were very, very close to being perfect. Two second half errors putting them at 46 from 48. What's the record, Mitchell? So he has got... They have got the most complete sets we have on record that I've checked. So they only last like six or seven years. The most complete sets. 
but I do think it is the completion rate record, or they had it last year with one drop ball. But they were going to be the first team ever to complete, and and Jack Murchie ruined that with like five minutes to go. And Come on, Jack Murchie. One. Come on, Jack Murchie. That's not the way the Raiders yeah. raise you. Terrible. But it's good to see that the Warriors get that win, and the Dragons is some pain coming, and they've already said they pretty much can't afford to sack the coach, so that's great. And they'll just keep shuffling this team around, and, you know, they gave fullback money to Zach Lomax to play fullback twice in the last two years. That's great. And can, can I Mary just, just, playing, just on yeah. the topic of Ben Hunt, 19 kicks for 587 metres. Okay, so that's good. Um, Corey Norman, two uh, – sorry, uh, uh, four kicks for 72 metres, three bombs. Like I know, I know that Hunt is the dominant half, and he's going to be doing a lot of the kicking. But surely, at some point, there has to be a conversation had where, whether it's McInnes or whether it's Lomax, but somebody else has to come and step up and kind of take some of that pressure off him to get the ball downfield. He's a very good kicker. I don't have a problem with that at all. But another thing, just before you go on to, there's going to be a lot of pain. Can somebody take Matt Dufty to Sizzler and make him eat as much as is humanly possible? Because <laughs> the bloke is just it. it it makes me worry for his health and safety. The fact that he, so like this week, where, where did I have it written here? 135 kick return meters, which was obviously the most because that's what he's very good at doing. But like he just, he 36 post contact meters from 23 runs. So 18 play the balls. So he's making an average of two post contact meters. The bloke weighs 14 grams. The man is a Mm. field mouse. I, I get that you've got bigger blokes there in Pereira and Ravalawa, but like it just frustrates the shit out of me watching not necessarily bigger players. Like Tedesco's not a man mountain. Obviously Trebojevic is slightly different, but like the two best fullbacks in the game at the moment being able to make more meters after contact than Dufty makes in like five runs. Yeah. Yeah. It just Although, I mean, it's it's not I mean it's technique as well. Like Billy Slater never got folded up like a card table like Dufty does. No. Pappenhausen. Yeah. They're, they're roughly the same size. And, like, Dufty's thing for me is that he runs so tall and he engages into these tackles so tall. So he just gets picked up and moved. Like, as you say, like, he gets picked up and moved like he's being discarded out for hard, hard rubbish night. Yeah. And it only I- takes two blokes to make these tackles, whereas the other guys were smart enough to go low into the tackle and go down. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's just got to put on some size, unfortunately, whether it's only 5 well, to 10 kilos. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the solution is, whether that's a trade-off for the pace. Or, yeah, well, or, just put, or just put Lomax there, who you paid the money to play that. I mean, that, that's probably a smarter solution, but uh, we don't run a football club. so Don't play him. That's the one thing. The other part with Dufty is, like it or not, it's like, how is he supposed to get good when he's in and out of the side every three weeks? It's stupid. Yeah. And then the final thing before we move on, like Ben Hunt gets all this criticism because of his contract value. He gets blamed for all of that. People have forgotten Corey Norman almost makes a million bucks a year as well. There, a hundred percent. They have. And he they does. Don't. He just. He just. It, it just never comes up. It's bizarre. I don't know. He loafs through criticism, and he'll play fullback this week and be average again, and it'll be Ben Hunt at six's fault. Yes, Ele- eleven runs and four kicks for Norman this week. So thank you very much for that, my friend. Oh, how good's rugby league? Um, Cronulla Sharks sixteen, West Tigers the the team of the podcast, the West Tigers twenty eight. <laughs> Uh, can I just say, highlight of West Tigers' performance this week was David Nofaluma absolutely dunking on some bloke on Twitter. Can I can I go one further and say the low light of the Cronulla performance and the highlight for the rest of us was the dirty look Wayne Oh, my God. After that tackle. Oh, man. Sorry, the, the, the best part of it was that in the replay, they turned and showed that angle where Graham is looking back, and it's like a shot out of a movie. 
It's who? There's there's only two times I can think of. There's one where um, Will Chambers is doing it to chase Blair in a South Melbourne game a couple of years ago, and the other one, someone I think it's is it Trent Barrett that's staring daggers through Jason Moody when Queensland win that Origin game on the last in the last minute of the game. Think when, so. Um, yeah, something like that. They're the only two that came to mind. I remember someone shooting Jason Moody massive dirties for that um, in that game where I think Queensland tied and Lottie missed the conversion after the siren. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Either way, this was hilarious. And the team of the podcast are firing on all cylinders. And I said when he left that I was gutted that Adam Dewey was leaving and I thought he was I, I, I thought he was a very underappreciated player and that he would go on to do great things. And quietly pretty good spine i'm i'm gonna say mm-hmm. I, I i would be prepared to put it out there now that they are a top five or six spine with harry grant adam dewey in there alongside luke brooks and benji i think top five or top six is not a stretch yeah um harry grant i mean people have heard me wax lyrical about him in the past but i do think he's the guy who's going to be the next best hooker in the competition and i thought he was great in starting debut here but as you said dewey really good back there brooks is Probably the most underrated halfback in the competition, or half. And but Benji has still got that one in the clock back. His pass for the um, what Luke Garner's try when he when he threw that cut out to Nofaluma, Nofaluma oh, went, that went, went down to yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful. And but I really like what they've got going in that middle there. Josh Allay, Tom McKayley, and uh, Alex Twall. It's good. And Madge also admitting he had it wrong with Lewis on the same side of the field. It's good to see him do that kind of early, like the one little fix. Yeah, it, it's it's um and th- there's not a lot to dislike just looking at their team at the moment. As long as there's the guys they've got out there right now can stay on the park. I mean, it, it's they're they're a team I really love watching, and it's the Luke Brooks thing is just hilarious. Like when he was younger, he was arguably the most overrated half in the comp, mm. and now people just don't talk about him, and he's playing better than he ever has. Agreed, mate. But this is also the only game, by the way, with a lead change the entire weekend. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> That's love it. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're probably. I don't want to. Let's let's move on. Hey, let's get get go, going through these faster now. Yeah. Um. The probably the most anticipated game of the round: Melbourne Storm six, Canberra Raiders twenty two. They've gone and done it for the third time in the space of six months and just uh, twelve months. I'm sorry, and dunked on Melbourne in Melbourne again. You you hate to see Craig Bellamy being salty in the coach's box as his team gets absolutely dominated by a fantastic Raiders team. Defensively dominated too. Hey, I mean, yeah. the, the Storm had all the field position, all the possession. They had 27 out of 40 sets they completed back completion, but they were down on that Canberra line. It felt like for four to five hours. Yeah. And they wouldn't have scored. Was it Was it Funavalu that got taken out over the sideline and like five players just came and it must have been, yeah, and just came and moved him over the sideline, like just softly shuffled him into the seats. And yeah. they held like, up, held up Justin Olam. Yeah. Oh, that Olam tackle. Man alive, what an effort. But just, again, it's the, the Storm came out and said, or I think it was Bellamy came out and said afterwards that these new rule changes, uh, they, they give an advantage to teams that play ad-lib footy. If that's what, if that's, like, we, we talked about this through the through the secondary off-season, for want of a word, um, but, like, if teams will find a way to make these changes work and the Raiders were always going to be one of the teams who use that ad-lib style, throw the ball around a little bit more, and they make these things work. And, like, I, I just want to just – obviously, they, they I thought they were quite good um, through the middle. I, not necessarily dominant, but I thought they were very good through the middle. But, man, Hodgson just absolutely beat the pants off this Melbourne team. 
His his <laughs> passing was fantastic. He knew when to go, when to stay, where to go, and the key, I think the, the the thing that topped it off for me was that forty twenty, which was just like an absolute dagger because it wasn't like Melbourne were going to be getting into the game late on, but he knew exactly where to go, exactly when to go, and just to slow the game down, to get the ball down the other end of the field, and just do what he wanted. And man, it was just. It was good to see. It, it kind of was like watching the Rebels beat the Evil Empire, but like we have seen this in three previous movies. Like, yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> but, yeah, oh. as you touch on there, though, like the Canberra performance, I, I, I do hate in rugby league that the word structure is now taken as a negative term because it's just a different way to play rugby league. But like the Roosters, the most structured side of the last two years, and they're always entertaining to watch. Structure isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just when it's boring and slow yeah. and it's the only thing the teams do that it sucks. Yeah. Like when you watch a Cowboys game and they run the 17th block play in a row, it didn't work. That's when it sucks. Mm. It doesn't always suck. But I, I want to touch on George Williams. And, you know, George Williams is one of those guys that I, we've all been surprised by how good he is. And I think we need to stop being surprised by the Raiders bringing over English players here and they're performing because it's happened to every single one of these guys now. Josh Hodgson, Elliot Whitehead, John Bateman, George Williams. None of these guys were the best player in England when they came here. But it's quite clear that the, the, the Raiders and this group of English players are identifying something in that group that they understand when you get those players around other better players in a better system that they will be better footballers. You know, you get George Williams over here. He had a running game in England. But we didn't know he had this kind of running and creative game to him. I didn't know that. I knew he had some talent, but you see that with him. You see, you see Hodgson has said Bateman take the next game, but you know, it's just we need to stop doubting the English guys they're bringing, I guess. We need to not be surprised anymore either. It shouldn't be surprised next year when they sign some English guy you never heard of come in to play, I don't know, lock or something and just tears the competition apart. We shouldn't be shocked. Absolutely. His um, his move but, his move two two things on Williams. A I know that we saw him before the, the 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 break, but like I'm still surprised at how big he is. Like we've always kind of said that players English backs specifically come over here and they get dominated because they're not big enough, big and quick enough. I'm I'm surprised by how big he is. But also, as you said, like he does have that running game. But the the try that he helped set up, I think it was for Cottridge on the right hand side. Like he came across, had the like let go dummy, and then threw that pass across the the second row's face to the to the center. And I was just kind of like, well, that is not what I expected to happen. And then Kodrick strolled on. (laughs) And Adokar was like 15 yards in and had come way up to get the ball. And I was just like, well, sometimes you get beaten by a better player. But I didn't expect that better player to be George Williams. Yeah, and um, with that, you said that show and go was like young Benji or Sean Johnson was good to see. I want to see a lot more before I totally write him off as one of the best halfback going around. Like, as we know... Halfbacks are the most hung up to drive position if, if your things go poorly for you and the cameras are playing well on it. And it's easy when, when the, the forward pack's going well. But I'm interested to see his development from here and that he's a guy who's had the opportunity to come here for the last couple of years and nobody else signed him. And I think some clubs are going to feel pretty stupid over the next few weeks. Yeah, I um, I mean, I was sceptical as I always am when guys who aren't forwards come over here from England. But I think from the early signs that we've seen that I, I was wrong. And I'm happy to be wrong because, I mean, if we can watch guys like him tear it up, and that, that's a win for everybody. Can, can um, I just ask something of the fans? Um, yeah. Anybody that downloads this podcast, can you just cut up the part where Bungard says, I was happy to be wrong, and just send that into us, um, <laughs> and, and we'll make that a drop. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the next game, and probably the bravest performance of the round, um, Newcastle 14, Penrith 14, and 
instant, instant, um, instant vindication for the Hoy Boys. Mate, what a day, the, the Hoy Boys. Yeah, the the Hoy Boys. What a what a what a game for us. The Knights. Uh, look, it, it. They say that a draw is like kissing your sister, and as somebody who has never kissed his sister, I can only say that this draw was very vindicating because a. Panthers didn't win, and B, they sort of got 14-0 dickheaded, and that's what we really want to see in rugby league. I think you can still count this as a 14-0 dickheading. I yeah, think yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, no. More of it, I say. Um, could this be, it, like, surely this has to be up there with the worst display of field goal kicking in rugby league history. The, like, my not, zero none, for from, none from seven. Um, zero for five for Burton. Yeah, my favorite. My favourite moment of the game was... Literally, uh, not figuratively, literally one second after Burton missed a field goal, Mike Lennon says, geez, he doesn't miss this kid. And then ah. went on to clarify that he was talking about like the the length at which he could hit them, which was a fair point. Yeah. But probably not the best choice of words to use in the immediate aftermath of someone missing a field goal. <laughs> so saying, geez, he strikes the ball well. I said he doesn't miss, which is completely wrong. <laughs> and, and also, like, I would hope that somebody somebody who's paid to be like a professional athlete and to kick the ball is not missing the ball. Like, he, yeah. you know. I and mean, that's fair. Um, interesting stat. Um, Pen- Penrith, Penrith wingers combined for 600 metres and Newcastle's two starting props combined for 500. Those might be records, Mitchell. Uh, I don't know if I haven't checked them, but I was going to say extremely impressed by the Josh Mansell bounce back, which I didn't know that was in there anymore. No, no. And, and it's good to see over that on for the Knights. This is what happens when you have actual coaching. You actually have Daniel Saifidi playing like a rep player, even though he already is on. He's played like one. And David Clemmer has finally started offloading the ball. Nine offloads in three games. He looks exceptional as well. So those they were, they're all great, those players you mentioned. Yeah, Saifidi especially. I thought he was outstanding. Um, and um, his brother as well, for that matter. I thought they were both very, very good. I th- I, I, it's tough to find a, a, a really negative performance in this team, really. I mean, apart from the guys who got injured, and that's not their fault. So, But our man, our man Tex Hoy, on debut, basically steering the team around with Mitchell Pearce going down with an injury. I, I thought he was fantastic. I'm not just saying that because we sort of semi-ironically hitched our wagon to him last week. I thought he was great. Yeah, he had 52 touches of the ball there, got really involved. I thought he was great. He obviously had a few rookie moments at the end where he tried to run rather than have a shot at field goal with a minute left. But I thought yeah. he was fantastic. I didn't, and mind, I, think... I didn't mind the first time he did that when they switched it left because I thought, I think Best, if Best had gone himself, I think they would have scored. But yeah, Best, it was over. But I've watched it again and you freeze frame it and Tuo's already taken the dummy even though it wasn't there. He was going for the intercept. Like he, he was over. Yeah. Tough, 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 tough scene for the Knights. But the um, second one wasn't great. But Tex Hoy, as you said, mate, like um, I think it'll be Kurt Mann's jo- take Kurt Mann's job in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I cut you off to keep talking about Tex Hoy. I think you were going to make another point before I started talking. Yeah, well, I do have another one, but mate, you, you can go on about Tex Hoy if you have got anything. No, I mean, I just, I mean, honestly, like, I've, I, it's, it's just, it's genuinely nice just to see guys come in on their debut and and just do do so well and sort of not look out of place at all. And I know the Knights probably more than any other team of except maybe Penrith actually have fallen into this trap of sort of like sort of waiting for the next big thing and expecting their youth players to come in immediately and control. But as you said, it wouldn't shock me. I mean we've seen a lot of Kurt Mann at this point. And if if, if Hoy can keep improving, then there's no reason why he can't be their five eighth by the end of this year. Yeah, I agree, mate. And I've got a few things to say about Newcastle before we move on. Firstly 
it's about time, as you mentioned, seeing those talented young players come and perform. I thought Brabham Best was good as well, despite bombing that try. But you saw football out of guys like both Saifedi's never seen before. Chris Randall came in on debut and made over 70 tackles. Like Fantastic efforts from those guys. But this is why rugby league's not paid on paper. This squad is pretty much the same squad as last year. And I refuse to put it in my top eight because of who was in charge there. But you can already see now Adam O'Brien there that there's belief in these players. There's actual genuine coaching happening. And, you know, they lost Mitchell Pearce after four minutes and Connor Watson after eight minutes. I would have guaranteed you they lost this game with Nathan Brown. And I even know, I spoke to my mate who works up there, he was shocked by how well they bounced back. But I guess from the work in preseason, they've got a better mentality now. But to show, to prove that with a few other games that this happened in, I'm not going to go back to the Knights 2016-15 terrible years, but over the last two years. So 2018... In round three, they lost Connor Watson after 18 minutes. They lost that game 38-8, to eight, and he was playing 5-8. In round 16, they lost uh, Kalen Ponga after 14 minutes. They were up 16-12 to the Bulldogs and lost 36-16. And again, in 2018, around 21, they lost Mitchell Pearce at halftime. They lost 25-16. to 16. And then again, in, in round 24, they had Connor Watson start at 5-8, Lost him after 48 minutes. They were only down by six when they lost him. They then lost 38 to 12. Those are those are damning numbers. <laughs> but they were not a resilient side under Nathan Brown. They 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 every excuse they were given they took. Yeah, 100. percent he was there, and they that was not that team that week. And this is a team playing for each other, and it's finally a team that that city can be proud of this night's team already. And I, I'm thinking this year, like they're on that cusp for me that. The top three teams for me are still the Raiders, Roosters, and uh, and Storm, but they're there with uh, Parramatta and Manly un- just after those teams, yeah. if you ask me. Uh, um, Pierce, Pierce has yeah. been named to play this week, I'm assuming. Mm. Well, there you go. That's that's good news. That was a that was an an awful tackle too. Like he just got yeah. just got every everything everything wrong essentially. Uh, and just for the record, Kurt Mann has more than 100 NRL games, so. There you yeah, go. Right. Oh, yeah, how about well, Isaiah Yo good at lock for ninety minutes? Proud of him. Yeah. <laughs> what was that last thing? Sorry. Isaiah Yo good at lock for ninety minutes. Oh I'm yeah, he was him. great. He's he he he's he he was really really good. Um, yeah, you got to be gutted if you're a Penrith fan though, blowing that lead against a team that was very much down mm. on troops. But I mean, I'd be gutted being that. a Penrith I mean, fan anyway. Oh, don't be mm. nasty. Um, last game of the round. Probably the one with the least intrigue and probably the one with the least surprising result. Manly 32, Canterbury 6. Um, we didn't even get the sort of typical brave, gritty Bulldogs that we came to expect from them towards the back end of last year where they at least kept things tight. Manly, completely and utterly dominant from start to finish. Can we talk about the Baja man of Hula the Dogs out fame instead of talking about the Canterbury oh, Banks yeah. Bulldogs? Yes. We absolutely <laughs> can. So... Um, so um, a record, Utopia Records in Sydney asked if Link could come into their store and do a photo with them now that he was the dog of the NRL. And I said yes in exchange for a vinyl copy of Who Let the Dogs Out by the bar. Did you? I did. So let's, uh, let's, see, let's see if that they, – they, they're keen for it. So let's see if they can come through with a vinyl copy of Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. Um, just, just to let you know, by the way, Baja Men are still active. They've oh, been the no, band since 1977. They're still making music in the Bahamas. The boys for them. Still, still banging them out. What was that other song they had afterwards? Was You All That or something like that? Yeah, it was You All That. <laughs> was that the one where it had like the In the Jungle, the Mighty Jungle samples in the background of it? I think, I think so. you might be right. Yeah. Fuck. 
That's great. Uh, anyway, yeah, the Bulldogs don't deserve our respect anymore. And Tommy Turbo bash up the, on this Bulldogs team. Doesn't make him the best fullback in the comp, but he's probably the second best. Uh, I just want to highlight how poor Ruben Garrick's gawking technique is. Um, somebody please help that man. What happened? He's just, he's all over the shop. Man, he looks like he's trying to hit it with a nine iron. Mate, use your foot. Two from seven. What happened? He just like he the the thing is that he runs up like he's trying to kick like Mal Meninga, but his kicking action is like Hazamel Masri. Like you can't toe poke the ball with your side side like your instep. It's just his mm. his biomechanics are all over the shop. He needs to go and uh, have a have a lesson with friend of the podcast Mesut Ozil. Yes. <laughs> Not, oh, ridiculous. He, he, he's got to work. He's got to work worse king percentages than one M Bungard. If you won't, if you don't forget. Hey, listen, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and be and be chastised for being slightly below average kicking from the sideline in my first goal kicking foray in five years or so. I'm, I'm pr- not going to happen. You said you wouldn't, but you said you wouldn't be. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you, Dale. I That's what we want that. Yeah. Um, final take, Josh Jackson should be sent to Wigan and they should sign John Bateman. Uh, I don't think that there's too much wrong with that take, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, okay, good. Yeah. Also, Aiden Tolman is like 45 and still plays in the NRL. Fun. Good on him. Um, yeah, I just don't think they're going anywhere with Dean Pay. I hate to say it. but Yeah, man. Do? I don't know. Not, not our place to judge. Uh, as long as, it, I mean, look, if, if there's going to be poorly run teams, I'm just, I mean, I'm, as long as my team's not one of them, but I'm fine with them to continue to be poorly run. Who gives yeah. a shit? Um, yeah. All hope I have for the Bulldogs went when they're talking to McCulloch and Josh Reynolds again. Like, you know what? They're, yeah. There's Good no luck to you. There. You get what you deserve at this point. Yep. 100% agree. Uh, and that was round three. Um, so we, uh, if anyone is listening to this for the first time and the audio quality is not blowing you away, we are, of course, doing this remotely. As I said, we're hoping to be back in the studio either next week or the week after that. Um and we will hopefully be sort of going back into doing sort of some story times, some greatest games. Obviously, we'll keep keep abreast of what's happening this season with with both the news and the on field action. And yeah, if there's and to anyone who's listening, if there's anything else you'd like to hear us talk about, just feel free to get in touch with us on any uh, social media platform uh, you might use. Um, and yeah, I hope you liked it. If you're a first time listener, and if you're not a first time listener, thank you again for listening. You're all wonderful, wonderful people. Is there anything else you guys would like to say before we wrap this one up? No, but thank God, footy's back. Yeah, uh, I got something to say. Give us some iTunes reviews. Yeah, I haven't asked those for ages. We haven't had a new one in like six months. Give us some iTunes reviews. Yes, iTunes reviews are good. Please, unless you're going to give us a bad review, in which case, don't do it. Oh, wait, wait, sorry. Apple podcast reviews. None of us are Apple boys, and we are. Even we got featured on Apple this week. None of us knew how to get the screenshot. <laughs> I had to go and get. I had to go and get Charlie to do it because she has an iPhone. Um, yeah. So good, good on her. Um, but yeah, that that is it for another episode. Thank you all for listening, and God bless rugby league. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. Say goodbye, Dale. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me.